Monday, May the 23rd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Australia's new PM in Tokyo and no concessions from Ukraine. First, the world in brief. Anthony Albanese was sworn in as Australia's new Prime Minister, his Labour Party having defeated Scott Morrison's ruling Liberal National Coalition at the ballot box on Saturday. The growing popularity of independent candidates means he may have to govern without a majority. Mr Albanese immediately promised to end his country's, quote, climate wars, envisioning Australia as, quote, a renewable energy superpower. He then sped to Japan for a summit of, quote, the Quad, an informal alliance aimed at containing China. The leaders of the Quad, America, Australia, India and Japan, gathered in Tokyo to mull a range of possible security collaborations, from satellite orbits down to the South China Sea. China regards their grouping as, quote, an Asian NATO, not a compliment. From Guangzhou, its foreign minister, Wang Yi, said the Quad is, quote, doomed to fail. The Financial Times reported it will soon announce a joint initiative to monitor and curb China's illegal fishing. The Ukrainian government ruled out ever conceding territory to Russia as part of a ceasefire deal. On Sunday, Andrei Duda, Poland's president, told Ukraine's parliament that only they should decide their future. He said they should disregard, quote, disturbing voices appearing within Europe, demanding that Ukraine should acknowledge the demands of Russia. Russian forces intensified their attack on the Donbass region over the weekend. Beijing reported its highest number of COVID-19 cases during the current outbreak, triggering fears that China's capital might yet be put under a lockdown. Meanwhile in Shanghai, where millions of residents have been stuck at home for weeks, new cases fell to a two-month low. In both cities, officials are trying frantically to adhere to a zero-COVID policy. The head of the World Health Organization ranked monkeypox as one of the, quote, formidable challenges facing the world, alongside COVID-19 and the war in Ukraine. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus made the remarks in Geneva, where experts convened to discuss the disease. More than 100 cases have been reported, mostly in Europe. But the virus is not very good at spreading, and existing vaccines can protect those at risk. A colonel in the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps was assassinated in Tehran. The IRGC is a shadowy military agency controlled directly by Iran's supreme leader, who outranks the president. Colonel Syed Kodai, who was reportedly shot by a team of two men on a motorbike, was part of a force that carried out operations abroad. No one has claimed responsibility for the attack. Suspicions will fall on Israel. An independent inquiry into sexual abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention, America's largest Protestant denomination, found that high-ranking clergy denigrated victims and allowed alleged abusers to remain in their posts. A few leaders were, quote, singularly focused on avoiding liability, according to the report. The Baptists commissioned the third-party investigation 
after newspapers in Texas uncovered accusations against pastors in 2019. And fact of the day, 47 million. The number of additional people who could be driven into acute food insecurity by the war in Ukraine. And now here's today's agenda. An uncertain future for Title 42. The fate of Title 42 is in doubt. A Trump-era public health policy that enables the expulsion of migrants at America's southern border. It was brought in during the pandemic because of worries about the spread of COVID-19. It lets border officials remove migrants quickly without the need for formal deportation proceedings. Joe Biden's administration had planned to call an end to the policy on May 23rd, but a federal judge on May 20th ruled that could not happen. Migrant arrivals at the southern border have surged to a 22-year high. Opponents of lifting Title 42, including 24 states that sued to keep the policy in place, argued that without it, migrants entering America would overtax social services. The White House will appeal the decision and the fate of Title 42 could be determined by the Supreme Court. In the face of inaction by Congress, courts are becoming more important in setting policy. The result? More volatility in lawmaking and less predictable outcomes. Zelensky speaks at Davos. The World Economic Forum begins its annual meeting in Davos on May 23rd, with the first in-person meetings of the global financial elite at the Swiss resort since 2020. The war in Ukraine will take centre stage. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, will deliver the first address of the forum. He is attending virtually, though his deputy prime minister, Mikhailo Fedorov, and the mayor of Kyiv, Vitaly Klitschko, will be there in person. Mr Zelensky hopes to drum up a financial plan for post-war reconstruction. One group that is absent from the Alpine meeting, the usually conspicuous Russian delegation. Amid sanctions and disgrace, the Russians have not been invited. Similarly, Russia House, the delegation's base in Davos, will be missing from the promenade. In its place is a Ukrainian-sponsored exhibition entitled Russia War Crimes House. Turmoil in Sri Lanka Sri Lanka's interim cabinet may take a first step towards restoring political accountability this week by limiting the powers of the presidency. They were vastly expanded in 2020 by Gotabaya Rajapaksa, the current president. That would deliver some satisfaction for Sri Lankans, who have been protesting for weeks and demanding that Gota, as he is known, step down but it will bring little relief from the deep economic crisis which two weeks ago toppled the government of Mahinda Rajapaksa, Gota's brother and the former Prime Minister. The country has already defaulted on its foreign debt. It is surviving on ad hoc credit lines from India and emergency help from the World Bank. Rampant inflation persists, as do shortages of food, fuel, medicine and more. The current round of talks to obtain a bailout from the IMF and set the country on a more sustainable path 
conclude on May 24th. Sri Lankans are in for many more months of pain. What will become of DD Global? It has been a bumpy 12 months for the Chinese ride-hailing giant. First, it became the subject of a cybersecurity investigation in China, just days after it sold $4 billion in shares in New York. Regulators in Beijing, citing national security concerns, then forced it to announce plans for delisting. Ideally, it would relist in Hong Kong, which could help reduce losses for investors in America. But those plans have also been hobbled by Beijing because of the ongoing investigation. On May 23rd, the group will hold an extraordinary general meeting to vote on the delisting plans. Didi will need to settle several class action suits brought by investors in America who believe the company was not straightforward about the regulatory risks it faced in China. It may also need to take on a friendly Chinese state investor. Didi faces a long route ahead before it can think about relisting. The Catharsis of Burning Art When a friend and fellow artist was killed in 1999 during preparations for Burning Man, a festival held each year in Nevada, David Best built a shrine. Made of wood, the structure was constructed in the desert, then set alight. Every year since, artists have built a, quote, temple in the dust to be filled with mementos of absent friends. Thousands watch, silent or racked with sobs as it burns. Mr Best's latest design, Sanctuary, is being raised not in Nevada, but near Nuneaton, a small town in Britain. Death has touched many over the past two years. In Britain alone, 150,000 more people than usual died during the pandemic. That brings a new resonance to his installations. This quote, Covid Memorial for the Nation, opened on May 21st. At sunset on May 28th, it will be handed to the flames. Daily Quiz Arboristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. Which actor changed his nice guy persona in the 1950s, appearing in darker roles in films such as Winchester 73 and Vertigo? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Henrik Ibsen, who died on this day in 1906. Never wear your best trousers when you go out to fight for freedom and truth. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. 
And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.